Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, this is Paul Blackthorn. I play Captain Quentin Lance on that TV show Arrow. And you are listening to DC Primetime on Next Level. Enjoy. Primetime issue 14 now on podcast stands and we apologize for the delay in this one yet again we're trying not to make a habit out of this but uh, good reason for the delay though really good reason for the delay for both I, of us actually I, w- I was at a wedding and friends out of town uh, Chris Maddox who's been on the show was uh, came down from, from very northern Jersey to come hang at the wedding and him and uh, his wonderful girlfriend stayed at our place on Saturday night, so we got a chance to chill yesterday, and you got to do something even cooler. <laughs> I got to go to Great Philadelphia Comic Con and made some awesome connections and and such. But we will uh, we'll go we'll go over that a little bit okay. uh, in a little bit. But before we get started, obviously, of course, from the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck, and from Caffeine Crew, I am Rob Martin. And we have three episodes to go through this week, obviously, Iroh still on break, so we have uh, Supergirl, The Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow, Flash returning from its hiatus, and now we just have, uh, and also the finale of Supergirl, we have to make mention of that as well. Uh, so should we talk about Great Philadelphia Comic Con now, or should we wait until after we do the usual stuff? How about let's we'll, we'll we'll put a little space between Secret Origins. Why don't we do our bullet point? Then let's talk con. Then we'll do Secret Origins this week. That works for me. Awesome. Uh, so, so starting off first, we had the Supergirl finale, season one, episode twenty, titled "Better Angels." Uh, going with our rating scale of sidekick, hero, or legend, uh, Rob, what would you give this one? I'm going to give it a legend. Uh, there was a lot to like in this episode. Uh, a little heavy-handed a couple of moments here or there, but still, ultimately, I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I agree with you on this one, too. This is uh, a legend for me, and it did something that I assume it, it was supposed to do. Uh, it left me yearning for a second season. Yes, so, but they very much closed out just in a nice way in case there wasn't. Hey, second season. So, <laughs> well, they, but they still left us on a huge cliffhanger. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, next up, we have versus Zoom, which is episode eighteen of the second season of The Flash. It's return from its hiatus. Uh, this one, what would you give? Going legend again. Yeah, it's no surprise. It's we're getting we're gearing up towards the end of Flash, and it's same thing for me. Legend as well, uh, which leaves us with the last show of the week. Season 1, Episode 12 of DC's Legends of Tomorrow, titled Last Refuge, and rating scale, this one. Ooh, um, (laughs) do we go for three, you know, three across the board this week? Um, I really like this episode a lot, but I think I'm still gonna go Hero, because there's a big problem in it, so... I'm I'm curious what your big problem was with it. uh, It starts with a K and ends with an Endra. So, <laughs> uh, so, 
Yeah, I'm on the same boat. I'd like to give a, a legend across the board on this one, but the, unfortunately, the, I yeah. can't. It's for the it's, main for the main str- plot. It was a really fun episode, but there was unfortunately something that's really bringing it down. And there were definitely some highlights to the episode too. It's a strong hero, but yeah, uh, it is a strong hero. Yeah, uh, not quite legend. Uh, as of yet for this week so it's not just there uh so before we get into the secret origins where we break down the episodes my time at great philadelphia comic-con i love the smaller cons great philadelphia comic-con and um special thanks to chris at philadelphia conventions for hooking me up and getting me press access and everything too um i love these smaller cons because of the fact that the guests are much more approachable uh, you know, where if you go to a huge con like Wizard World or anything like that, those conventions are great. They, there's definitely a ton of vendors and artists and things like that. And there, there are at these smaller cons too. But if you get in line to meet one of the celebrities, you're in line for a while and you get up there, you either get your picture or you get your autograph. A lot of the times it's just an autograph because if you want a picture, you got to pay for a photo op, one of the professional photo ops. Uh, and then they kind of push you along because there's so many other people in line behind you that need to get up there as well. These smaller cons, I swear, I met almost everybody there, even to just go up and say hi and, you know, and talk to them. And I waited no longer than two minutes for anybody. That's awesome. Including James Frain and Robin Lord Taylor from Gotham. Yeah, that's, see, that's, I, I totally agree with you too. As much as things like San Diego Comic Con and Wizard World and, New York Comic Convention and all that stuff are really amazing shows. The problem is they're also so incredibly well-known shows that you don't get to really enjoy it. You're more waiting in lines than you are half the day. And at the end of the day, it feels like you're spending an exorbitant amount of money to wait in a line. And you're really not getting to enjoy that con experience. And these small cons really give you that experience. The same thing you would have gotten at that big show. It's more personal when you get to meet these people. It means something. It, you actually can have a real conversation, not get pushed to, to push to push to the side. You know, it's it's. Yeah. I think those are the mo- those moments are the ones where you actually can meet these people and actually kind of feel like you had a moment. Yeah, and, and uh, speaking of that, I mean, a couple. I had a, a couple of really cool moments out of the con that really stuck out to me this weekend. One of them. Uh, was getting to meet and talk to Robin Lord Taylor, who, if you're not sure, who, not acquainted with who he is, he plays the penguin in Gotham. Uh, I got to have a conversation with him on Saturday while dressed as Jay Garrick, uh, which was kind of cool. But through that, I found out that he's a fan of DC television shows. He's a fan of The Flash. He's a fan of Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow. He's a fan of all of them. Uh, so I happened to mention this podcast and happened to nonchalantly invite him on and he was thrilled like he he was legitimately interested in coming on and talking about these shows and talking gotham when we start covering gotham over the summer so he has my card we have rep information we've exchanged information so just from that cool small con experience of being able to talk to him uh there's a good chance we're gonna have him on the podcast coming this summer which is really cool yeah so right now possibly paul blackthorne this summer and robin lord taylor and i will tell you this now um, well, I should have been watching Supergirl yesterday to do my catch-up when I had my downtime. Um, so we did finish season one of Gotham, and we are already eight episodes into season two, and I am really enjoying it a lot. So I'm really looking forward to talking to him. Oh, man. I, now i got to really start catching up. See, I know Robin Lord Taylor from the movie Accepted, which I don't know if you've ever seen that movie before. I love that movie. And you could tell it's a movie he loves, too, because when I mentioned it to him, 
Uh, you know, that's it, it's a movie that's going back like 10 years. And just in the middle of a friendly conversation, I said, man, I said, I've been a fan of yours since Accepted. He got this huge smile on his face, said, my man, and gave me a high five, that's which awesome. is just great. So you could tell like that movie meant a lot to him. And that's these are great. cool little, they're cool little moments like that you will never get at the larger cons. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's really awesome, though. But yeah, yeah, I'm really excited to talk to him because, again, I'm, and I'm really excited to when we start going into covering Gotham because uh, season two has been fun. Season two has been a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, we had a couple friends really pushing that have been on the show that I'm like, just get back to it. Just check it out. It did have a really rough start. And it's, you know, some people may not still view it as the same caliber as some of the CW shows, but it's a lot of it's it's very enjoyable. So, yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to make mention, uh, the other cool moment, and Rob, I don't even think I told you about this <clears throat> before we were talking about it. I haven't even posted this on Facebook. I've only told maybe one or two people about this. Um, I cosplay at cons, not for myself. I, I did it. I've only done it three times. This is my third time doing it. And the first two times I did it, especially the first time I went as Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, completely homemade, but it turned out awesome. And I had a ton of kids come up to me and ask me to take their picture with, ask to have their picture taken with me. I love that. Like that, I, like I, I live for that kind of thing now. Not to sound creepy that I want to hang out with kids, but, um, you know, I was dressed as Jay Garrick Flash and, I had a bunch of like parents asking, can I take your pic? Can my kids get a picture with you? And every time my answer is, of course, like I don't care what it is. Uh, but the coolest moment of the con happened on Saturday. I headed back to the cosplay corner and when I went back there, uh, there was this guy named Zach who is dressed in the Barry Allen, uh, flash uniform. Really well done. And I think was, I did see a shot of him uh, on your Facebook page. You did. You did see the shot of him. Uh, but when I went back there, there was this little kid, maybe no older than like six or seven years old, dressed in like a pajama version of The Flash. Not like the professional version, obviously. Like a kid version. And there was this really, really great Lex Luthor in battle armor cosplay. And... Uh, Zach as Barry Allen Flash and this kid were running around Luther as if like you know they're trying to trap him and they're doing it for this kid because this kid's just a huge Flash fan and obviously the guy that's playing Luther is playing along and I happened to walk back there and the mother who was videotaping it said you know what I think another Flash needs to go in there and help so of course <laughs> I hop into this thing and now I'm running around and everything else that's how I got the picture with Zach later on because we you know became chummy over it but the, and then we got a big group picture of like me and another Jay Garrick and the Flash with this kid, and it made this kid's day. That's awesome. Just to do that, and that is why I do it. That's amazing. That's really awesome. Yeah. So and the other, they did a big. There was a lot of. They had pretty much the entire Justice League there of people cosplaying. Everybody well, I, from Marsh from Martian Manhunter to, you know, to Aquaman and such. And at one point, they actually did a big group picture of the Justice League with Zack as the Flash and everybody else. And for this kid, Zack stepped out and the kid stepped in. So you see <laughs> this huge lineup of adults and this one kid. That's awesome. But again, it made his convention experience awesome. Actually, I know there's at least a cosplayer that was there. I can't remember his name. I do have his business card. And I guarantee you saw him. Uh, there's an amazing Batman and uh, his wife does Batgirl. Uh, I did see white out eyes. I actually have met him at one of the conventions I did a couple months back and he actually 
is this massive DC fan and has all these gorgeous, like, leather-done costumes for DC characters. And uh, so we were actually talking about having him on sometime uh, in the in the near future. But he is a big pro uh, cosplay person that does a lot of DC stuff. So maybe we'll get a chance to do a little cosplay discussion sometime this summer as well on uh, how to get into doing some DC cosplay. Works for me. Cool. Sounds good to me. Uh, but let's move on with the podcast, of course, and we'll jump into the Secret Origins section uh, where we give you the breakdown of each episode, starting off first the bigger episode of the week, obviously, with the finale uh, being the finale. But Season 1, Episode 20, Season Finale of Supergirl, titled Better Angels. Uh, Supergirl is forced to do battle with an unexpected enemy as she risks everything, including her life to stop Non and Indigo from destroying everyone on Earth. Uh, so it's I'm trying to figure out where to start because I know well, we did... There's a big thing I think you can start off with right away in this is before even we see the credits of this show, Myriad is just done. Like, the, the, what we, the Myriad that we've been building to, the whole mind control, completely just shut down, stopped. Like, we get that whole newscasting, and I'm like, wow, really? This is kind of fast. Like, I thought this was, like, our big point for the season finale. And, uh, yeah, no, like, just it was just done. I was really kind of surprised by that. Well, the opening credits actually didn't come until a little late in the show. They yeah, weren't... They, they, they were a few minutes later than usual, but, I mean, still, within the first ten minutes of the episode, man, that was wrapped up completely. And yeah. I was kind of surprised. I mean, granted, Myriad became something bigger by the end of the episode, but that big uh that big fear that we've been that you know is supposed to be this looming threat that we've dealt with the last couple episodes was kind of really glossed over and i was kind of surprised on how fast that they hit all of those points to move forward so I we kinda, already got, yeah i mean well, I, we did get a really wonderful epic speech in the beginning of the episode too so yeah i kind of understand why they did it i mean because like you said myriad turned out to be something bigger than what we initially thought it was. I mean, it was mind control, but it turns out it was also a way to pretty much kill everybody on the planet. Um, so, I mean, obviously, I understand why they did it. But jumping back to the beginning, obviously, the episode starts off with Alex versus Kara. Uh, and speaking of Luther armor... Yeah, uh, we did get that, to see that in action. It's it's pretty similar to Luther's battle armor is what, Kara, what uh, Alex was wearing. Yeah, and like you mentioned last week, kind of Gears of Worrion, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was there. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually thought it looked really nice, and I kind of hope that they bust that out again sometime. It was one of those costume designs that they did on the show that actually looked really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quite after that, you know, you mentioned that, you know, the next thing pretty much after that, obviously, um, Alex and Kara's mom, I can't remember her name. Uh, yeah, it's okay. You know, I can't either. Helen Slater. It, Helen Slater uh, <laughs> is the one that kind of frees car, frees Alex from this mind control, and it, it's one thing that I kind of had a problem with. with I that. did it, too, and I, I want to see if it's the same reason that I did. Go it's ahead. Yet, it's yet again another moment in this show that's showing that Alex is stronger than Kara. Okay, that's not my issue with it. <laughs> okay, what is your issue with it? Mine is her mom can talk her down, and he's like, y "You're good. You can inspire hope." And I'm like, then how is Superman not alive? <laughs> how is he not awake right now? <laughs> that bothered me so damn much. Sorry, I had to step sit back from the mic on that one. But, oh my god, that drove me absolutely up the wall. And I'm like, that's bullshit. <laughs> did, it, did it bother you as, as much as only seeing his boots in this episode? Okay, that made me chuckle quite a bit. But... <laughs> 
So yeah, I mean it, it, it was fun again. It's a, lot, a nice little nod to Super Superman being there and yeah, a lot of a lot of little background Clark moments in this episode. There was definitely a lot of between the red boots discussions of him still being passed out, and then how we wrap up almost the episode too. Yeah, yeah, with the so. text with the IMs at the end, but we'll get uh-huh. to that uh, towards the end of the episode. Obviously, um, you know, after everything is resolved and and such, uh, there's the big reveal to Helen Slater that Jeremiah. I remember his name. Uh, Jeremiah Danvers is still alive, and now the mother knows it as well. So it was something that Alex and Kara, you know, revealed to that to her together. So I, I'm assuming if there's a season two, this is pretty much where they're going to go with it. Yeah, it's going to be Cadmus Hardcore, and that's even something that you brought up uh, weeks ago was the uh, that thought process is um, is Cadmus going to be the the big catalyst of season two? And I think that's that was a safe assumption that yes, that's that's where we're going in season two uh, when and if that gets picked up. Yeah. So and hopefully we're going to find out soon if you know if we're going to get another season to the show. I hope we do. I really hope we do. Um. Uh, obviously, we see that uh, uh, Maxwell Lord discovers that the. Uh, that Non and Indigo are, have the ability to enhance the signal, uh, to amplify the signal to the point where I think the way they put it is your head explodes. Uh, it causes a headache until it gets to the point where you just can't take it anymore, and boom, your your head goes bye-bye. So, which is a very interesting way to pretty much kill off everybody on the planet. And, you know, through all of this, we get Kara saying her goodbyes to everybody, as well as finding out that Fort Roz is out in the middle, is out in the open in the middle of Nevada. Yep. And that's where Nan's been the entire time in that nice black, empty set. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Uh, So I didn't even think about that, that it is just a blank black set. It's just we have a table and we have a light to light that table. And that's all we can afford. So. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, we're gearing up for Supergirl to take on Nan and Indigo and, and put an end to the amplified signal of Myriad so that they could save the planet. And I, the, a very funny moment, at least to me, uh, another chuckle-worthy moment is when um, uh, General Lane says, okay, you can take the other handcuff off the Martian. And he's like, I got it, and just pulls it off. <laughs> yeah, like it's this butter. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, exactly. Like, this was meaningless. I was putting these on for your amusement. It's that classic Superman moment of him being cuffed. I was like, okay, we don't, that's really not necessary. And just him just moving his arms and they just break. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, but pretty much after that, we're getting into close to the climax of the episode where we have Supergirl and Martian Manhunter taking on Non and Indigo. Yeah. So I'm curious your opinion. Uh, how were you with this fight? I mean, there's obviously some special effects and such, uh, but I'm curious your thoughts. Okay, so I will say I think I actually for the I will say this I, not I think, but I actually enjoyed the Supergirl non fight for the most part, minus uh, non's kind of creepy O face that was going on when he was <laughs> heat visioning. Um, but I mean, it, it felt like a good classic traditional like that tug of war laser beam thing going on. And most of their fight actually looked pretty good. The fight that I had the more issue with was Indigo and Martian Manhunter. Um, it feels like, you know, for it being the finale, the rooftop fight we just got this last week was so much better. And uh, this looked, I think maybe it's also too, when they do daylight fights in this show, I think that's still something that they got to figure out a little bit more. Um, it, it's very, uh, the CG stands out a little too much. Um 
But it was uh, even just the end of that fight. Uh, did you kind of scratch your head, too, when Martian Manhunter lifted Indigo and ripped her in half? I'm like, well, she breaks apart all the time and just pulls back together. How is yeah, this I, any different? You know, I did. I did. And when he did that, I was thinking, I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, that's not going to stop her. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and I'm like, well, apparently it did. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, there was a lot that I loved about this episode. It was the moments of heart that we got, and there was a lot of that. Uh, that was the stuff you and me have been talking about the last several weeks that we enjoy about the show. Um, I mean, sometimes it got a little heavy-handed, not going to lie. I mean, like the whole waking up scene from Myriad in the beginning with everybody where we got all of these, you know, it was like the clips moments of Supergirl Season 1. Um, but then ultimately, you know, there was a couple of really nice touching moments with all the goodbye scenes and... Nice touching moment between, you know, Kara and Alex and Kara and John. And I mean, these were the moments that we loved. And you and me have both not been apologetic about that at all the last few weeks is yeah. the heart of the show is what's making it very enjoyable to watch. It's not the action scenes. Well, let's be honest. Um, but yeah, I, I was kind of surprised that it was such a quick fight, though. And I think it leads back to the thought process both of us also have also had is Nam was just not a good season one bad guy. No, and I'm I'm now curious because I think I had mentioned this last week, uh, you know, with the first part of this, is if through the battle with Kara, if we were going to get the non that we know from the movies, you know, the kind of brainless uh, person. And I'm wondering if that might come into play now with the way that fight ended. Um, I don't know. I That looked like more or less like he's just done. I mean, I don't think they have any good reason to bring him back. Um I mean, I think if they were going to do that whole, like, slow kind of version is if you even go back to the animated series of Superman, like the evil version of Superman, the Injustice Lords of lobotomizing the bad guys. And I think if that was the ver- we want, we're going to get to that point of non is her would have ha- having to do something like that to him. This yeah. looked like, you know, her beam seared his eyes out and then probably most of his brain. And I think he's done. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, I'm kind of fine with it either way. Like, I don't have to get that version of Nan that I know from the films. It, it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, I, I I will say, though, that after the fight ended uh, is when a couple other issues I had with this episode started to come into play. Okay. Uh, I was kind. Of, I was okay with the fact that she could lift a multi-million ton prison. But not be able Uh, to breathe in space? That's it. That was my (laughs) issue. Like when Alex says, you know, how you – you're not going to be able to breathe or you're not going to be able to thrust. Um, Superman does it all the time. And Kara is also not human. (laughs) So – Exactly. So like I I don't get why that was an issue. I mean if you go back to Superman Returns, Superman lifted an entire island and put it into space. And the only reason he passed out in space was because there was kryptonite on the island. It had nothing to do with the fact that he was in space. Okay, pause for a second because I'm I'm starting to realize a couple things here. Um, We both gave this a legend. And after going through all these points, I don't know if I can (laughs) do that now. Um, We're... I think we've had more negative to say so far than anything positive. And I, I, I'm wondering if we're being a little too generous with that legend just because it was a finale and there was a couple of really good moments. But there, I think there's a little bit more there that's actually making me question a little bit that rating. So I think this is the first time we've ever double backed. I think I have to double back in all honesty. I think after all these thoughts, and I'm like, yeah, that, they, those are some big problems. Um, especially for a finale. That's That's kind of like your crescendo. I think there was more moments in the show that felt like, uh, you know, a drama that we like the most versus the action show that it's supposed to be. 
Well, I want to I want to say I did have one other issue and okay. this is probably what's going to make me backtrack on it too. Uh, and it kind of goes back to an issue I had in the beginning of the episode. Uh, how the hell does Alex, Alex know how to fly the pod? Yeah, that's that's another one. <laughs> like really, like uh, Alex is the one that saves Kara yet again, and it's it's this show has proven time and time again that yes, why Alex or why Kara is Supergirl, Alex more than once has proven to be the stronger character between the two of them. You know, it's it's yet again, it's Alex that comes and saves the day, that comes and saves Kara, flying her pod that somehow she knows how to do. So, you know, just on that problem alone, yeah, I think I got to go back, and this is going to be a hero. So are we, we going to make it official we're both going hero? Yeah, yeah. I think this is the first time we've ever backtracked on a rating, but it's... You're right. It's We're starting to mention more negative than positive. And while there was still a lot of good moments, uh, there's too many negatives we've pointed out. Yeah, I, I think to, to just to be fair to everybody listening, and I don't want somebody to, you know, if we go to do a convention and somebody listens to the show because I was like, how could you give that a legend, you know? And I'm like, nope, yeah. you're right. Let's So we're just going to wheel it back now. I apologize for that. But yeah, I, I, we're, I think I'm going to definitely say officially hero. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. I mean, again, like, if it wasn't – just if the only issue I had was this the pod alone, uh, that would be enough to drop it back to Hero. So I don't even know why I thought about that or didn't think about that before. See, I mean, I also just finished the episode maybe about 15, 20 minutes ago. So I was just kind of like, oh, that was really fun. That was cool. Cliffhanger moment. I wonder who's in the pod. Maybe it's Cyborg Superman. All these little things are throwing them in my brain, you know? Like, maybe it's the Eradicator. Something unique and interesting. And What are they going to do? Um, that I didn't really think about that until we sat down and I really thought about it. Because I finished the episode, and my wife looked at me, and she's like, that was really cute. And I'm like, but when we watched World's Finest, um, she was like, that was awesome. And I think we should have both walked away from it saying, that was awesome, versus, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. But on that note, to wrap things up, you know, with this episode, you know, obviously the episode ends with that cliffhanger going into season two, Hope the hopeful season two. With another Kryptonian pod crashing on Earth, and it makes me wonder, what what or who is in the pod? I've heard a couple different theories, and I have one of my own as well. So I got I have, I have a good one, too. Streaky the super cat. Streaky the super cat. That would almost be like Crypto the dog. Uh-huh. Streaky the super cat is totally a real character. It's, oh, it's, I don't it's, deny it's, it. It's, it's Kara's pet cat from Krypton. Oh, God. Why do I know that? <laughs> All right. uh, my theory is is a little bit more realistic. <laughs> um, I have a theory it might be her mother. Uh, and it kind of plays off into the whole scene of, you know, the whole scene talking about family, which is literally what they're talking about right before that. Oh, the friends and moment. Yeah. The the friends are your family and, you know, that the celebrating family moment. And then. Oh, oh no. I crashed. I was saying that felt like a rejected moment from the show Friends. <laughs> ah. John, John John sitting there cooking in the kitchen, and I don't know why that that seemed just seemed weird. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it was the way it was shot or the lighting, but I was like, I got a sitcom-y vibe right now. Uh, yeah, it kind of worked. It kind of did feel again, like that. It was cute. It was cute, but yeah, kind of sitcom-y, but it was cute. So, but yeah, I mean, my prediction is that um, it, it it it's Kara's mom, Kara's mother is uh, somehow in the pod. The only other theories I thought of, too, was uh, I heard a theory about Superboy. It's not Superboy. Um, Superboy was not from Krypton, other than the fact that 
the only time he was in the comic books from Krypton was when he was just a younger version of Superman. Well, there's an, uh, another ones too. I mean, there's the Superboy Prime uh, as well. I mean, there's there's multiple out there, but I think the one that we're thinking mostly in our brains right now is Connor Kent um, or Connell, however you want to put it, the clone. The clone, um, yeah, the, yeah, from Cadmus Labs. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I think my other thought process, like to be serious is like i mentioned before is maybe her father actually from krypton and he is now cyborg superman which also ties into the current comics line so i'd be interested to see if they were to go that route too okay yeah so it'll be interesting but we gotta keep our fingers crossed for that second season first before we do anything else indeed so uh but let's move on to the next episode and probably my favorite episode of the week it always is almost all the time but that would be uh the flash season two episode 18 titled versus zoom barry having now learned how to travel between the different earths decides to take the fight to zoom uh obviously a huge zoom backstory and reveal uh a lot of information came out about um came out about zoom on this one uh, yeah. And who he really is. Uh, but I have to say, before we we jump into everything, uh, obviously, we got the Tachyon device finally attached to Barry. And we finally now know where World's Finest fits in. Yep, that little portal moment that pops in, pops out, and him going back to Star Wars is like, huh. <laughs> How long was I gone? Yeah, exactly. The only disappointing part of the episode I had is that they don't mention it. Yeah, but I did love the fact that that was there if you did watch that episode. That was exactly that moment, and I was like, "That's." It made me. It made me smile. I, I thought that was cool that that was there of him portaling out and portaling back in. Yeah, I thought that was really cool too. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, but jumping back to the beginning of the episode, we're seeing flashbacks of Hunter Zolomon when he was a kid, and I think it was an interesting note to point out that the uniform that Hunter was wearing when he was portraying Jay Garrick, it seemed like it's a normal soldier's uniform for that time period. Because so, I think his father was a soldier, was he not? Uh, yeah, and that's was... kind of what it looked like. If you go back to the Star, uh, you know, not Star City, uh, uh, the police department in uh, Central City in Earth 2, you see everybody in that uniform at the bottom there. They all have that, like, you know, that Jay Garrick design, and that looked like they were normal soldiers. So, yeah. so I think that's exactly what it was. I think that was officially them t- saying, you yeah, know, he was just a soldier. Yeah, exactly. It seemed like he was home from war and... Uh, you know, just by the way he was talking, it seemed like he was home from war, and that's when he became the homicidal person that he became, uh, killing Hunter Zellman's mother in front of Hull- in front of uh, Hunter. Yeah. I mean, it's a very much like, this is the way Barry's life could have turned out, and that's how they played it throughout the episode. This is kind of like that one twist that can take things completely in the other direction. I think yeah, it, and was a, it-, it was a good way to, I think, take that character. I actually liked that a lot. And it's interesting to note too, they not only did that with, with Hunter and with Barry, they kind of did it with Cisco a little bit this episode as well. You know, where it's all about life choices that make you who you are. And yeah, who it you was, become. it was that really great moment that he had that could have come off really over the top and cheesy. Uh, he's like, I don't want to be Anakin. You know, I don't want to be Vader. I don't want to become that. And, uh, it was done so well. Like, Carlos Valdez sold that scene because I think if you would have read that on a page, like, this this is cheesy. But him and Grant just sold that scene so beautifully. And I think that's actually my favorite scene from this entire episode. Is uh, the, the whole Anakin, the Anakin that, Skywalker scene? Yeah, that little analog that he did, that of the worry of becoming what Reverb was. And the fact that he breaks it down in that pop culture way that, 
you would expect that of Cisco, and it was perfect. It was so spot on perfect. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but again, you know, after we see the flashbacks of Hunter Zolomon, we jump back to Barry's first use of the tachyon device and find out that it makes him four times faster than uh, than he was before. So it certainly helps. Uh, and I thought it was a nice, funny moment that when he gets back and he takes it off and he asks Wells, you know, can you make this smaller? Because it kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, definitely a lot of funny moments when it came to that as well. Yeah. Uh, we find out that uh, when it comes to being an actual father, Joe is kind of clueless. I, and I say that in the nicest of ways. Yeah. Um, it was just him trying to bond with Wally in the best ways he could. Not sure if he's doing too much, too little, all those things. But I liked it, though, because that's the one thing we love about Joe is like he's a he, he is the average guy. I yeah. mean, that's exactly who he is. And it's somebody actually being thrust. He's like, he's Barry's father, but that just came naturally. Now, when you have a biological son, it's kind of like, oh, crap, what do I do? Because all of a sudden, everything in his brain is just changed. And he hasn't gotten himself slowed down to the point to think of it just like he thinks about Barry. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the whole revelation of Zoom and who Zoom really is and, and Hunter Zolomon really is, just a couple other things worth mentioning that we can possibly go back to if we want. Uh, we find out now that through Cisco's uh, vibing, he is the key to other Earths. He is the one that can harness that power and open the door to pretty much any Earth that he wants to. Yeah. Uh, as, well, as well as communicate with other Earths as well. Yeah, from where he is. It's awesome the fact that he really totally has become in vibe, and it's so much fun to watch. It's, yeah. It, him coming into his powers has been just as much fun as watching Barry come into his powers in season one. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, and the other thing I guess that's it, it's worth mentioning is the fact that uh, Iris is starting to fall for Barry. Yeah. Um, and it's cur- um, makes me curious if she's really truly falling for him or if she just feels like it's destiny that it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's probably something that she's struggling with as well. Yeah. So. Uh, but I guess we should dive into Zoom a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, well, one of the main key points is, you know, obviously you mentioned Cisco being able to open up that portal. The whole reason for that is they wanted to go head on against Zoom. Barry feels that he's fast enough to do it. So Cisco, he has to, you know, talk Cisco up and be like, you can do this. You can open up this portal. And you, when you see him try the first time before he gives up, you see Hunter on the other side of that just being like, yes, this is coming. I've been waiting for this. He's like, do it, Cisco, do it. And he opens the portal and it crashes down. He's like, ah, need more time. And uh, when it happens again, he's ready. He darts through. Fight starts off with a bang. Um, and, you know, there's not exactly a casualty, but we get... Wally kidnapped and thrown into the mix. Yeah, and and it turns out that, you know, it's pretty much he's held ransom for Barry's speed force. Exactly. Uh, the only way Wally is going to be returned is if he is if Barry gives up his speed, in which, you know, Barry being the person that he is, of course, that's what he's going to do. He considers Wally family now, and, you know, he's willing to do anything for his family. So he agrees, and uh, Will's... Uh, amplifies the device to the point where it needs to be and drains Barry of his life, of his uh, speed force. I was going to yeah. say life force. That would kill him. Mm-hmm. But one of the things, like I said, you know, you mentioned going a little bit more into Hunter. You know, I guess this is as good as point as any to kind of step back a little bit and go a little bit more into his past. So we do see him kind of, you know, no family wants him growing up in the orphanage 
and uh, being very much alone, only left with this his father's uh, helmet. You know uh, that that kettlebell style helmet. Yeah, that, that's always been so synonymous with Jay. And uh, it, I, I was kind of hoping they were going to give a reason for why he chose Jay Garrick. Um, that was the one thing we didn't get here, which I hope they still have some time to dive into that because obviously Jay Garrick is somebody that exists. They have to. I, I think they would have to bring that up in some way, shape, or form. Because I mean, well, I they, I do have a theory. Okay. Um, and it, it, this is probably jumping ahead a little bit too, but uh, I did make when we were talking about theories as to the, who the man in the iron mask is. All right, uh, hold I, on, hold on. So <laughs> we have we have to say it officially. So man in the iron mask, like mask watch, I guess. Mask watch, yes. Yeah, mask watch time. I, we'll say iron mask watch. <laughs> uh, I did make this prediction a a, a while back uh, that I felt that the man in the iron mask was a third version of of Teddy Sears. Uh, and I'm sticking with that. I think the man in the Iron Mask, um, who, as Hunter says, you wouldn't believe me if I told you, I think that is the real Jay Garrick. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm having more more thoughts that that's the case, too. Um, I don't know if it's uh, if I still believe it may be Teddy Sears playing the part. It could be a completely different actor. Um but it makes more sense if it was Teddy Sears because they look alike. So you wouldn't want him, uh, you know, walking around with the same face. It's it, again going back to the whole, the reason why in the original Man in the Iron Mask, uh, the reason why he was locked up was so that he didn't have to look at his own face. Right. Uh, so I I'm still sticking with my theory that the the Man in the Iron Mask is, I'm gonna say, is the actual Jay Garrick. I yeah. think that's who it is. Yeah, I think that's the case. Um. The only other two things I can think of are potentially that uh, John Wesley's ship maybe still be under that because we haven't seen him in quite some time now. Um, so I'm wondering if that could be the case or maybe John Wesley's ship of Earth 2 is Jake Garrick. Because Jake Garrick has always been kind of shown as an older uh, an older Flash. So that would be, I think, kind of cool. Um, yeah. The other only other thought still, too, is there's something in me that still wants to say... Wally? That, no, actually, oh. that Ro- Ronnie Raymond is not dead yet. Okay. Because and, he, he may have went through that portal and been locked away. So uh, that's still a question in my head that, is Ronnie really gone? Okay. I mean, uh, I can tell you a little bit more as to why I think it, it is Teddy Sears and uh, the actual Jake Garrick under that mask is. It's almost the same thing with Tom Cavanaugh, how you bring Wells from one Earth to the other. I think it's a good way to keep, after they defeat Zoom at the end of this episode, it's a good way to keep Teddy Sears in the cast. Because now he can actually be Jay Garrick. He yeah. can be the hero that he you know he was portraying earlier on in the season and that's very possible i think i did see somewhere that teddy sears was just cast in a in, in a new show coming up so no idea on that one yet uh, so that damn it that could play into <laughs> it but it might not it's that's a big wait and see still i think but i do um, love the fact that they tease it as you wouldn't believe me if i told you yeah yeah i i, I think so as well uh and he was in fact uh he's cast in 24 legacy ah that's what it was uh, yep but it's a shortened season, so it, I mean, is a it short could show. film. It could film in between as well. I mean, we um, don't like Dominic Purcell and Wentworth Miller are doing a, a mini for Fox for Prison Break too. So, and Break. I don't think that's going to affect them at all for continuing Legends of Tomorrow into next season. No, it just so. means that Teddy Sears is going to be a busy man. Yes, so. most definitely. So, um, I I do have more predictions for where I think it's going to go for the rest of the season, but we'll save that for the end. 
Okay. Um, so I guess we we'll go, go a little bit more back into Zoom's backstory. Yes. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we found out too. Uh, one of the reasons why, um, you know, that the the man that we thought was Jay Garrick was in fact Hunter Zolomon, but a time remnant of himself. Uh, Hunter Zolomon had gone back in time to a previous version of himself and pulled him out of time to kind of portray Jay Garrick, which I don't know. That still confuses me a little bit because it, we're seeing a lot of issues with time with, you know, Legends of Tomorrow, how one decision can affect time. So I'm not cur- I'm curious how this doesn't affect himself by pulling himself out of time and him having himself murdered. Well, I but. guess it's a big point in time because, like, we did see that with Eobard. Um, Eobard, when we got to see the reverse Flash origin this season, he was also a time remnant. So, yeah, yeah. there is still a lot of questions in that. And, I mean, I think it's just... It's, it's suspension of disbelief because we're talking about time travel. It makes things very interesting where you can bring up so many things. I mean, Christ, when we get into Legends this week, it's I think the, the, the motto for that show is screwing up the timeline in 30 seconds or less. I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't know how anybody still is able to exist in that show. When you watch it, you're like, they fuck up so much crap. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of you have to kind of roll that logic back into the flash a bit. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. So, um, trying to think of some other stuff about Barry or about Hunter Zolomon. Well, we did find out that he was a serial killer, um, and he is twenty three. Yeah, twenty three confirmed I think, kills. I think it was something like that. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that we did see though too is they tried to appeal to his better nature quite a bit during those last discussions. Like you could see there was something still good in him because he had the opportunity when Barry's speed was drained out of him to kill him, and Caitlin talked him down. Yeah. Um. So. It's showing that he may not be quite all bad. Like, you know, there's the fact that he had that whole dichotomy between Barry and Hunter were basically grew up the exact same way. And it was just that one event that took them in polar opposite directions. So it's kind of saying, you know, there's that kid that's still inside of him that's yeah wants to do something positive. But, you know, he's just so far gone. Um, it leaves the, it leaves the question now for the end of the season, too, uh, is hunter Solomon redeemed or is he defeated yeah well well i guess we can pretty much get to the end of the episode at this point but one of the things that well i think there was one thing that bugged me a little bit in this episode it wasn't the time remnant stuff in all honesty it was once his speed was drained out and when they were prepping that whole experiment when barry still had his speed you know zooms is standing around and it's you think somebody would have tried something barry's faster at this point could have taken him down they had wally already back you know, Wally was given to him at the beginning of that whole transaction and said, okay, we're going to get started. Why would they not attempt something? Like, because I think it's it, it was a matter of Barry's personal opinion. Like, Barry was set on doing this. Um, he didn't want to risk anything. I mean... It, risk anybody's life in the process of that things going wrong. I, exactly. I definitely, I, mean, I definitely do understand that. And it points out, you know, to one particular moment, too, that is something I think is full well going to happen. And I have it written down so I can quote it properly. Uh, one day I'm going to knock that smug expression off your face. And I think this is something that's going to happen. I think somehow Zoom is going to be stripped of his speed and Wells is going to knock him the hell out. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's going to be payback for what he has. So, I mean, I, Wells had a moment. He could have very easily pulled the trigger right then and there. And Barry stopped him. So I think it's – I don't think it's a matter of just him standing around and nobody doing anything about it. I think it's them respecting Barry and, and Barry telling them, uh, no, this isn't going to happen. 
this is what's going to happen. And the this being, I'm giving him my speed. I'm ending this. Yeah. One of the things I'm kind of curious about this, too, is once everything's said and done, the episode is left with Zoom taking Caitlin. Um, and I'm wondering if something's going to happen here is, you know, this could just be, you know, me overthinking this, which most likely that's what the case is. But we saw Cisco coming into his own in the hero light. Do you think, J- uh, you know, Hunter is going to try to break Caitlin? And we're going to see the dawning of her maybe potentially, you know, dealing with the ideas of becoming Killer Frost. I don't know, because it's kind of already been revealed that Caitlyn doesn't have this Earth One version of Caitlyn doesn't have the metahuman gene. Right. But I'm wondering if something can happen if they go back to Earth Two, any of these things, because Zoom will probably have the ability to go back to Earth Two. So there's a lot that could potentially happen here. I mean, I'm very curious because... God only knows what could happen in the show. Oh yeah, I yeah, mean absolutely. But it would make me. It would be very interesting to see them deal with Caitlyn as a villain next season. And yeah, I, I could see that as well. I mean, because we don't know where they're going to go with it. We already know there's going to be a third season, but there hasn't been any reveal, obviously, as to where they're going to go with it. Uh, do we think they're going to end this season on a cliffhanger like they did season one? I think most likely. I think we're going to see a fairly large cliffhanger, and it kind of mimics what season one did. Most of the Zoom storyline will probably be wrapped up because we do know they go back to Earth too. That's where we see Katie Cassidy back as Black Canary, like a meta ver- a meta version of Black Canary uh, at yeah. that. So they have to go back to Earth too because most likely Zoom has Caitlyn there. I would assume well, that's most likely where he's hiding out because they have to probably bring the fight back to him at one Earth two. Well, so, do we know they're going to Earth two or is she coming to Earth one? Has that been confirmed? Oh, that's a good question. Um. I think they did say Earth 2, potentially, but I, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the synopsis from a few weeks back when they were talking about it. But yeah, it could be either or, because we do know Rupture follows Zoom to Earth 1, um, basically to try to take out Cisco for killing, uh, you know, Reverb. Yeah. So it's I'm, I'm kind of curious, Is are we going to see a Earth 1 uh, staying on Earth 1 to finish the season out, or are they going back to Earth 2? So... I'm kind of curious. I really am not quite sure. I mean, this wasn't a super effects-heavy episode. I mean, there was a couple scenes, definitely. But in comparison to some of the things we've seen in the last few weeks, it makes you wonder. And with next week's episode, too, with Barry now just kind of human, um, are things going to slow? Not kind of human. He's he's straight-up human. human. (laughs) But are we going to see them kind of basically, as I think we said back on episode one of the show, as TJ brought up when he was on, that it's sometimes you have to save up that effects budget a little bit. And, well, uh, we, I'm sure Earth 2 is not cheap for them to do. No, and we do know that they're going to be saving on the effects budget of Barry's speed because uh, he's going to be without his speed for a while, um, for a couple weeks, at least uh, three episodes. Uh, I would say probably almost until the finale, mainly because of the fact that it's been revealed. I mean, this was episode 18. Uh, episode 21 which is the one that kevin smith directed the synopsis was revealed and it says barry dealing with being a normal person so by episode 21 he's still without his speed yeah so we're gonna have at least three episodes at least three weeks of barry minus the speed force right so i'm very curious to see what's going to go down with this and like i said we still haven't seen return of jesse quick we don't know what's going to happen to wally yet um there's so many x factors still leading up to this finale um, and I'm really, really excited because there's only a couple episodes left and a lot has to go down still. But actually, a lot doesn't really have to go down. It's just Barry just needs to get his speed back. All these other things yeah. are plot devices that could happen in season two or now, season I do, three. I do have a prediction. 
Uh, this is for an end of the season prediction, and I'm curious as to what you think about this. Uh, again, obviously, we don't know this for a fact, but I think that whatever, I think something is going to happen, uh, and it's going to involve them somehow finding a way to expel the Speed Force from Hunter Zalaman, and it's all the Speed Force that he has taken from everybody. And Barry's going to get his speed back from this, but at the same time, Wally the rest Jesse. of the Speed yeah. Force is going to have to go somewhere else. It's going to go to Wally, and it's going to go to Jesse. And it's going to lead to Wally and Jesse becoming speedsters for Season 3. I, that's my hope. That's where I've been kind of... I think we even kind of brought that up weeks ago, that most likely what was going to happen is they were going to pull the Speed Force out of him somehow, and it was going to go to these other people. Yeah. Um, and maybe if Jay Garrick is in that cell and they do free him, that Speed Force goes back to him as well. And that's what I was thinking that as well, and that's how Jay Garrick gets... That's the reason, obviously, why he's locked up is because Zoom already took his speed. Right. So that's how he's going to get it back, and he's going to remain a speedster as well. Oh, uh, crap. I Something just clicked. Uh-oh. Um. So... Let's think about this for a second. Like, think about the man are, in the are iron. We talk, are we talking the knocking on the glass? Yeah, think about it. Yeah. It was it was a soldier tap. And it was him tapping Jay. Uh-huh. In which Hunter is not Jay. He is Hunter Zolomon. So that is another reason, and you just reminded me of it, that is another reason why I have that theory that the man in the iron mask is Jay Garrick. It is the real Jay Garrick. And it's it was just Hunter wearing his basically what his uniform was, his suit was. So Yes. Yeah. I think I think we're I think I'm sold on that. I think that it makes a lot of sense now. That that the taps, all that stuff. I think that makes a lot of sense if you really kind of think about it. So yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. I'm very excited. I am extremely excited about it. Uh, but to, just to wrap things up, obviously we'll let you know about next week's episode, season two, episode 19, back to normal, uh, a metahuman with super strength named Griffin Gray, uh, mistakes Harry for earth one Harrison Wells and kidnaps him, demanding that Wells cure him from his current condition. Um, uh, realizing another brilliant Wells could track Griff Griffin's location. Barry asks Jesse or yeah, Jesse to help, uh, which means I guess we're going to see Jesse quick return next week. Or Jesse Wells return next week. Mm-hmm. And Griffin uh, Gray mean, is a fairly newer um, villain uh, in the Flash pantheon. So, uh, And meanwhile, Wally corners Joe about the Flash. So he might be well on his way of finding out as well. Mm-hmm. Which would be fun because I would like to see Wally toy- uh, join the team at some point. Yeah. So, uh, and the last episode of the week, we have Legends of Tomorrow, season one, episode 12, titled Last Refuge. Uh, a deadly assassin called the Pilgrim wants to wipe the legends from the timeline by killing the hero's younger selves before they become powerful. Um, curious where to start with this one. Uh, I, I will say, I will start by saying that my favorite character this week, and I'll see if you share the same opinion. Uh, Mick. Yeah. <laughs> Hands down. Uh, he, he, he had his Leonard Snart moment. He did. Uh, you know, where Leonard kind of had confronted his younger self and, and such. Uh, Mick had that same thing because it was obviously the younger versions of, uh, Mick and, um, Sarah were the ones that were pretty much on the ship and everybody else was just an infant. So we really didn't get to see much of anything at all. Uh, but we did get to see a Paul Blackthorn with hair, yes, or did. at least a or at least a wig. Um, oh, so, actually, real uh, quick, I don't know if you picked this up because you're a big fan of this as well. Did you notice the 
clothing colorations that young Mick was wearing. I did not. It I didn't a, pick up on it. It's very young Marty McFly from Back to the Future. The oh, colorations. Man, why did I not pick up? Because it was a denim jacket with a with a red orangey vest over top of it, and I was like, <laughs> and I got a nice chuckle. I, I picked it up on a second watch, and I was just like, oh, that's kind of cute. So, oh damn, that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I would have picked up on it. Uh, but I th- I have to say uh, already this this episode started with a a favorite moment of mine as well. Uh, come with me if you want to live. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to say that again, yet again. Pop Brandon culture Routh, reference, yeah. Pop culture reference from Brandon Routh from Ray Palmer. Uh, and I will say before we continue on with this episode, fourteen days without barista incident. Oh no, we're we're past that actually. Are we past that now? I think okay. we're actually closer to twenty two now. I think okay. we're doing pretty good. It's we're we're because this is a couple of days after the episode aired, and I think it's now been three episodes back to back without incident. So we're doing pretty good. All right, let's just hope it keeps that way. And now that we said something, we'll be back to zero next week. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, highlights of the episode for you. Um, you know, I think honestly, it was a lot of the interaction with Mick, and actually, I think um, diving into Rip's past a bit, and honestly, the the moment that made me smile more than anything was straight up, you know, having his mom say, "Well, surrogate mother," um, who his uh, who what his real name is, and the fact that he's very much named after his father, Michael. Michael. Um, yep. So that just uh, that was awesome. And Michael is, uh, who we know, is, is Booster Gold. Yeah, so. So it's another hint towards Booster. I, I still don't know if we're going to see him yet. I think we're going to see it. I'm starting to think more and more and more we're going to see it. Okay. All right. We might be on different planes with that one. I, don't get me wrong. I would love to see it. Uh, but I'm not sure as of yet that we're going to. Um, Trying to think of some other. Well, I mean, this episode was pretty straightforward. There wasn't a lot of Easter eggs or anything like that. So um, it's a tough one to kind of break down because, as you it was, know, we had well, it was very all over the place this week. I mean, we we were in so many different time periods, and they were all for like kind of quick vignettes. Um, you know, one of the big things, though, the big character moment in this episode was Jax. Um, he getting to save his father. Yeah, um, well, we don't know for sure that it saved his father, but, it, you know, it's the attempt yeah. to save his father. I thought that was a really, again, another great moment from Martin, from, a, you know, Professor Stein, uh, allowing Jax to, to see and meet his father. Yeah, and I think that was, uh, that was again, making Victor Garber one of my favorites, and I'm really, really liking Jefferson. Jefferson is becoming a really fun character, and I'm happy they gave him a moment like this. He hasn't had one of these in quite some time, and uh, he he shined really wonderfully in that scene. Yeah, um, I there was a lot of little fun moments in this episode that made me laugh. Um, the first uh, first one that comes to the top of my head is when young Mick and young Sarah are fighting, and Sarah goes back in. The current version of Sarah goes in and says, uh, "You know, don't slap, but next time use an open palm." Uh, use your palm, and he tell she tells young Mick, you know, she's not your type. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I think it's a double double comment there. One, obviously, you know, to keep young Mick away from her, but obviously, two, it kind of delves into her sexuality a little bit. You know how she's more into women than she is guys at that point, right? 
Now, I think uh, so, that was there was some fun stuff, and I think honestly they did a nice job too, making um, you know Kitty Lots look younger in that scene. I guess they, it looked like they did a little computer touch up in there, um, but it did look good. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. Uh, another fun moment for me too, as well, was when Kendra and Sarah go to kidnap young Leonard Snart, and they're just like, you know, it, it, it's just a baby. Let's go in there, and the moment they see him, they turn into like the little googly-eyed moms mm-hmm. you know like oh he's so cute, oh, he's so cute and everything mm-hmm. yeah i think that was a nice very fun humorous moment in the show um you know because you brought up kendra we did see a lot more of that forced push with uh the kendra and ray, ray relationship that we've seen the last couple of weeks um ray proposing to kendra finally um after he was pretty much on his deathbed as the the pilgrim was trying to kill an earlier version of him back in starling city um, prior to the death of his fiance, um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Or actually, no, it was would have been post because uh, he was already working on the Adam suit at that point. Yeah, so it was uh, very interesting to see what exactly was going on and having him kind of starting to see the bruises appear in the current timeline as you know his body was failing. Um, but you know he attempts to pop the question or was about to when he collapses. Kendra sees the ring and. You know, it, yeah, I don't know if I even like going into this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I, you're right. It, it feels like the whole relationship aspect of it is, um, again, a part of me understands why they're doing it. It's 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 to appeal to a wider audience. It's yeah, not just and, and, action, action, action. Well, you know, they have the ability to throw a bit of a you know side story or a love story in this, and it's they think they're doing something positive for the Kendra character. And unfortunately it's not, like I said, as we mentioned last week, it's not the positivity that we've been hoping for. Like they need to build her up as this warrior. And instead it's, should I, shouldn't I, you know, am I going to break his heart? And I'm like, no, we're get your mace. Start, start swinging. You need to be ready for this crap. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, I, they spent a little I, too much time on it this week. I will say, uh, I did have a shout out loud moment during that scene before he starts getting all the, the bruises and everything. Um, and it's probably showing my age, but before Ray even mentioned it, I got excited at the sight of fruit brute. Uh huh. That was, <laughs> that was vintage cereal. Yeah. The rip has his collection of vintage cereals on the way rider, which is does that says so much about rip as well. Yeah. Uh, that's just okay. It's, it was one of this is kind of wonderfully awesome moments. Yes. Uh, I think one of the things that we never really mentioned, you know, we dive into Rip's past a little bit more. Um, his younger self is still at the house yes. because of the way the house falls into time. Right. So. And this is kind uh, of like the, tr- like, you know, the, I, I, I guess, I don't even know, uh, the halfway house for young, young time masters. It's, it's where they kind of live while they're going through their training. But it's also it's also say it's also good to note too that even the time masters, while this house was created by the time masters, even the time masters don't know where this house is. Right. It's it's kind of like the only safe haven we know about so far at all. Like that we had last week when they were in the old west, we mentioned those there was those blind spots that they said, hey, you know, you know the time stream doesn't impact these quite as quickly, or they're one of the last, or you know, so they kind of hold their stasis. Uh, but this seems like it's the one place that's kind of untouchable. Yeah, and it seems like the the reason why Rip knows where this place is is because he was there when he was younger. Right. So he knows, obviously, where it is and how to get there. Uh, we do see young Rip come into play a little bit later on in this episode as well, which 
kind of surprised me, but also kind of didn't at the same time. So um, that might be a little confusing uh, for some people. But before we get there, I'm wondering if there's anything else we were missing about this episode before we get to the final battle. Well, we did find out because, again, their their younger selves are still at that house um, by the point that we're wrapping up the episode. Um, and before we get into the, the big end fight with the Pilgrim, uh, one of the things you did see happen on the ship is when they have uh, the Pilgrim did, you know, hold hostage the uh, their loved ones. And uh, so that's the main reason that they have to go down, uh, go down this path and take down the Pilgrim. And they said, hey, in exchange for our loved ones that she has taken out of time since she couldn't access their younger selves to wipe out of, you know, the time stream. Um, you know, you saw like Detective Lance taken, um, you know, it was... I'm trying to think who else. It was Ray's fiance before her passing during the Mirakuru fight in Arrow. Um, so, you know, everybody's there. Mark, uh, Martin Stein's wife, you know, Jax's father. So everybody was pretty much, you know, had somebody pinpointed. And uh, the only way they could kind of fix this was to give up a younger version of Rip. Yeah. Yeah, which is what they, they, they do. They pull him from the house. Uh, in order to give him up. And it's basically Rip makes the agreement that he will give up his younger self because by doing so, he never exists and the team is never put together. So in essence, it saves everybody else's life while sacrificing his own. Right. So, uh, which leads us to the battle. Yeah, the very Matrixy battle. The very kind of, I don't know the best way to put it, maybe the the circular camera um, Avengers-y group team shot kind of thing the in, in all beautiful slow-mo of everybody's power set which yeah. is quite awesome as they surround pilgrim and attempt to take her on and uh yeah. as we see her abilities in this episode she kind of can stop people in their tracks basically can slow time stop time almost um, i think within a certain area yeah i mean it seems like it. everywhere right yeah. like she can pinpoint and focus focus her energy on a specific spot so yeah, you see, exactly. as everybody attempts to attack, the Pilgrim slows everybody down to a crawl. Um, so we get some really nice, cool little action shots. Um, and as everybody is kind of trying to fire at her and take her down in one fell swoop, we see nobody else but young Rip Hunter come up and stab her and kill her. Well, does he kill her or does he? I, th- well, I thought he, he just stabbed her in the he, leg to he, kind of like. He stabs her, breaks her concentration, and all those bolts that were inches away from her all hit at once, and she becomes a nice little pile of ash. So, yes. <laughs> so, again, all of these big threats, these big nasties, and, you know, you know, the, you know, the time hunters and, you know, the pilgrim, not posing to be that big of a threat. Yeah, and again, it, it 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 leads me back to last week too. With you know, as you had mentioned, the hunters, like everything from the time masters are throwing at them, are not, it, it, they're not that formidable. I mean, and it it's almost leading into you know Vandal Savage not being that big of a big bad. The villains in this show really aren't that great, but the show is still good. Yeah, I mean, I think that's. Like I said, it's it's almost like I said, all these buildups are turning into like you know the villain of the week, monster of the week, however you want to put it. Um, and Vandal Savage is just in the background of it all. And I think again, you know, we still both agreed. Even we brought up last week when we were getting to the finale of Supergirl was that idea. Vandal Savage is still a better villain than Non was, but that's unfortunately not saying too much. No, um, not really. <laughs> so I mean, and what I'm, I think I think you and me were both saying is we were looking forward to is really the Time Masters being the the big bad that they're dealing with. So, 
Yeah, but I mean, like the rate, but at the rate they've been going now, I mean, would the Time Masters even be that big of a big bad? Right. It seems like the best of the best that they have to throw at him is just not cutting it. I mean, yeah. it says a lot, too, about you look at the team and how strong that team is to begin with. But, again, just it's showing you that the Time Masters really aren't that scary either. And that's something they're going to really have to address in Season 2. The, I think that's something that they're not going to get a pass on next year. Uh, yeah. so at least from us. I mean, I think we're going to probably next year, I would assume, we're going to probably grade a lot harder. Because this is us kind of just getting into this as a show. And you even just saw us just a few minutes ago, like, sit, going from a legend to a hero really quickly. And a legend we usually kind of reserve for the best of the best. And, uh, you know, I think come next year, you, you'll probably see us being a little bit more brutal on some of these shows because, again, you give some of them a pass just because they're a lot of fun. But then there's the, the, the question of fun or uh, amazing, like, j- like jaw drop moments. So, yeah, I agree with that. So, uh, but getting into next week's episode, uh, which is titled Leviathan, it's season uh, episode 13 of the first season. Uh, just a quick synopsis. Rip takes the team to London in the year 2166, three months before his family is killed. He believes this to be their final opportunity to take out Savage, who is unfortunately at the height of his power. However, the team discovers two key elements to defeating him, Savage's daughter and the means to kill Savage once and for all. Right. And uh, real quick, the one thing that we didn't mention is after the the Pilgrim fight, we did see... The effects of the time stream of what happens when their younger selves are pulled out. They never existed. So when you got to see that moment with uh, Martin Stein, since he was taken as an infant, his wife didn't know who it was, who he was. Time was starting to reset itself. So that well, kind of showed, and they even Rip mentioned that they had very limited time to do what they needed to do. Was it that they, and, and that was the thing that I, maybe this is a point of contention for us too, was it that they never existed as in they'll completely erase from the timeline or just that they'll still physically be there, but their lives never existed? Uh, so nobody in it, their lives would even know they were. That's they were. I think what it was. It didn't seem like okay. they wouldn't exist. It was just the idea that their their lives would have never existed. And basically because they pulled themselves out of that time, those timelines, those points in time, like for example, like, you know, we see, you know, Leonard as a young kid, but like Sarah was 16, so she still has an impact up into that point in time. And so I think it all kind of circulates around that. So those people still would have remembered her. It just wouldn't have known what happened to her at that point. So the yeah. ones that were taken as younger selves, it changes the game quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so. yeah, I think I think that's we're on the same page as far as how that impacts it. But we could be okay. wrong. They could go in a different direction next week and... They didn't explain it very in-depthly. They only kind of skimmed over it. So, again, time travel. So it's you, you never know exactly how it's going to you know really play out. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, that's going to wrap it up then for Secret Origins portion of this. So now we're going to move on to the DC Essentials, bringing you the news in DC from the week as well as some recommendations. And there is a lot of news this week. Yes, there is a massive story, too, that we will save to the end because it's a uh, – I think it's the one thing that me and Ben were the most excited about. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you do the honors for that one. Obviously, we both knew about it, but uh, and we're both really excited about it. But we'll yeah. save it for last. And, I'm and I'll happy, let you do the honors. I'm kind of happy that we're recording a day late because that broke today too. So yes, exactly. So it even worked out that we're doing this. So should I go with my stories and then we'll just let you wrap everything up leading up to the big one? Sure, let's do it. Uh, works for me then. Uh, starting off first with. And I hate these stupid web pages where if you click the side, it like opens up another page. Uh, but Spider-Man's Willem Dafoe has joined the Justice League cast. Uh, 
Uh, Willem Dafoe, who played the Green Goblin in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man franchise, will join the cast of Justice League Part 1 in a role that's being characterized as a good guy part. Uh, no word on whether or not Dafoe will interact with uh, his Spider-Man co-star, J.K. Simmons, uh, who was cast as Gotham City Police Commissioner James Gordon, who you have a little bit more news on coming up a little bit later on. Uh, next up, I have that Krypton is close to pilot order from sci-fi. I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, we, we do know David Goyer is involved in this, so it makes you wonder if this is going to tie into the cinematic universe. But it's supposed to, I think, follow uh, what it's um, Kal-El's grandfather. And so it's supposed to be 200 years before Superman. So I don't... Yeah, yeah. Eh. yeah. The series would be Goyer's take on Superman's origin story, but not in the way you might think. Uh, the narrative would be constructed around the House of El and when they were ostracized from Kryptonian society. Superman's grandfather would be the primary protagonist and would follow his attempts to bring equality to Krypton. So uh, we shall see. I'm not I'm not 100% sold on a... I mean, Gotham worked, but I don't know. I think this is just their way to try and pull Gotham off just with Superman. Right. So, uh, and lastly, on my end of it, the Green Lantern Corps movie rumored to include three Green Lanterns from Earth. Uh, a new Green Lantern Corps film from Warner Brothers is still a long ways off, but if a new rumor turns out to be true, fans can look forward to multiple Lanterns from Earth. Uh, according to sources, the upcoming Green Lantern Corps movie will feature Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart, but also Kyle Rayner. Yeah. Uh, in it. In addition, the studio is aiming for one to be around the same age as actor Matt Damon, while the other two lanterns will be younger. Does that mean that Matt Damon has been cast in this movie? Um, I I don't think so. I think that's what their their bracket they're looking for. But they I did hear rumblings that they were uh, they were hoping that Hal was going to be a little bit older. So I'm wondering if we're going to see the uh, the Gray Temple uh, Hal Jordan that you see very prominently during like em uh, Emerald Twilight and. Uh, after the death of Superman, where he goes ballistic and takes out Coast City. So, very curious to see what they do. But, you know what? I, I kind of hope that they do talk to Matt Damon. He, I think he would actually make a really fun older Hal. I think he would be. I think he would be, too. I mean, I'm wondering why they even mentioned his name in this story if, if he's not being considered for a role. It would kind of be cool, too, to see eventually down the road, see uh, Ben Affleck as uh, Batman and, uh, and Matt Damon, Matt as, Damon Green as Green Lantern. That would be pretty that awesome. Would, yeah. Uh, some were disappointed that they didn't get a Green Lantern introduction in Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. I wasn't one of them. Uh, and the earliest they might show up, according to Zack Snyder, is around Justice League Part 2. Yeah. So. Indeed. Uh, so the other stuff is kind of um, the smaller stuff, minus the one that we're holding for the end here. Uh, so there's another web series that just hit, if you remembered, we've talked in the past about the CWC having the Vixen animated series. But uh, we have another special one that's just a, it's grand totaling only going to be about 8 to 10 minutes in length, but it's the Chronicles of Cisco, which uh, launched last week, and you can find that on CW's website. Uh, website. And uh, part one went up last week. Part two actually hits tomorrow, so probably the day you're hearing this, so um, that'll be on the 26th. And then episode three will be coming on May 3rd, and the final one on May 10th. And they're just two little minute two minute vignettes of the Cisco being Cisco behind the scenes. Uh, kind of him testing out new tech on Barry's suit, things like that. But it's uh, it's quite a bit of fun, even if it's just a little two-minute kind of little video. So definitely recommend checking that out if you're a fan of The Flash. Yeah. Um, speaking of Flash, though, too, the, a little bit more news in the DC Cinematic Universe. They are now looking for casting calls to join Ezra Miller as he his take on Barry Allen. But they're stating right now they're looking for their Iris West, Jake Garrick, Eobard Thawne, uh, there was a police officer I didn't catch the name of offhand, and finally, a Len Snart. Uh, 
so a lot of these casting names all together sound a little too reminiscent of Flash that we see on TV. So I'm not too uh, sure <laughs> too sure if this is what I want from this because I already have that. It's something that we get to you know get 22 episodes of every year. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of was hoping that they would maybe lean in a different direction instead of very heavily on what the show is doing. And uh, the way that TV has been versus the... The movie universe, they seem to not really enjoy having crossover characters too much. And uh, it always scares me anytime they make announcements like this. Anytime we've seen any of these characters pop up or coming up in a film, you see them kind of get shuffled off the TV shows quite a bit. And I don't think we're going to see that as much with The Flash, but it still kind of scares me just a bit. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of the TV show universe as well, we did see uh, Greg Berlanti come out a little bit and talk about Jay Garrick, um, as far as you know, they want to assure the fans when Jay Garrick does eventually make his appearance on the show, they will promise everybody Jay will never be evil. He is always one of their favorite heroes. So the people that were angry and thought it was an evil Jay, don't worry. So and uh, we're like running out of as well. Mark Guggenheim came out talking about Arrow again this week. Uh, this was right after we recorded, and him kind of trying to address some of the problems the show is having currently. Uh, specifically the flashbacks. And he did say, hey, we did understand, you know, people didn't enjoy them as much last season, and we're getting a lot of that same response this season, but we thought we tightened it up a lot more versus last year. And, you know, he said, but uh, we can tell you this now, the flashbacks are not going anywhere. They're integral to the story that they wanted to tell. Of oh, God. Yeah, how Oliver <laughs> was the Oliver we saw in the pilot. Um, but I think that's kind of a shame that he's kind of op openly stated he he agrees that it hasn't worked the last few years and they're not going to do anything to address it. Um, I think that's kind of problematic. Uh, it sounds like we're yeah. going to see Oliver in Russia very heavily next year. Um, and yeah, and like I said, they better do something good, though, because uh, it's um, it's becoming a bore. <laughs> so... Uh, also, in yeah, the cinematic, too much. yeah, the cinematic universe as well. J.K. Simmons did come out a little bit this week as well, and state as far as how large his role as Commissioner Gordon's going to be in the upcoming Justice League movie. And apparently, that role will be incredibly small. But there is a lot of discussion of him being an integral character in the upcoming film. So it sounds like he's got a deal for up to five to six pictures. So it sounds like we are going to see a lot of J.K. Simmons, just not in the next flick. And lastly, the big story that we were really excited to talk about tonight is actually not yeah. DC-related whatsoever, and we're not meant to be dicks, but they're bringing back Hector Clore, and we thought that was really <laughs> well worth mentioning. So High C is definitely bringing it back this summer to go in line with the upcoming Ghostbusters movie. But yeah, We might have built it up a little bit bigger than it should have been, but it's still, we did it for good reason. Yeah, it's Hector Clore, so everybody that's angry about that, you just hush and just remember when you get to sip that on a hot summer's day this year, that, oh, it's so delicious. It's so good. It shouldn't be, and it's a sugar water, but something about that. Extra cooler was it, just wonderful. So. I mean, I still remember buying that stuff in the can <laughs> and just drinking it all day. And they did say that it will be available in, um, like, juice box form and also uh, aluminum can right. as well. And, uh, yeah, it's funny, too, because I was joking with a friend that I know Pepsi is also bringing back uh, Crystal Pepsi this summer as well. Uh -huh. So I'm like... All I need is PB crisps from Planners, and I'm good to go. So, <laughs> PB crisps. Oh my god! Uh, I know that's that's showing my age really quick there. So, I want Teddy Grahams back too. Uh, yeah, I know. They might not have gone anywhere. No, I think Teddy, Teddy Grahams are probably still around, but PB yeah. crisps. I definitely can tell you are very much not. So they went out with a lot of other things in the early '90s, and uh, it's my 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 body is probably much better for it. So, <laughs> so I guess it's time for recommendations. Yeah, um, I guess, do you want me to start with mine? or Yeah, go for it. 
Uh, my recommendation for this week is obviously I'd mentioned earlier on in the podcast, I dressed up as Jay Garrick for my cosplay. Uh, I'm falling more and more in love with the character of the flash. And, um, one of the things I've wanted to watch for a while, I haven't even watched this yet, yet I'm still making it my recommendation for the week. Uh, the Flashpoint Paradox, Justice League Flashpoint Paradox, which is one of the animated films back from uh, 2013, I think is when it came out. Yep. Uh, back from, and it's also an adaptation, the animated adaptation of the 2011 comic book uh, crossover Flashpoint by Jeff Johns. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'll probably watch that over the course of this week. And mine is actually before I actually did you get a chance to read Killing Joke yet? I have not. Uh, I've been so yeah. busy this week preparing for the con and everything. I just haven't had time. Well, how about this? You maybe we'll do this now. Is uh, maybe next week? Let's talk Killing Joke. So, it, is it going to be out before next week? No, but we can at least talk about the comic. So, you, oh yeah, you've we got to, do that. You've got homework, and then you got to get that book to me on Thursday so I can reread it. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I will do that. Okay, so we'll talk com- a comic next week. So we'll be a little different. It works. Uh, my recommendation for you is actually another Jeff Johns book. Um, because we're getting really close to Rebirth, um, by the time you're hearing this, we're actually now, uh, to the day, uh, one month away from DC Comics launching Rebirth. So I, to start this off, I thought the best way to do it, for those of you that are interested in comic books, um, one of the recommendations I can say going into this is know what a Rebirth is specifically as far as the way that DC views this and the way that their creative officer, Jeff Johns, is looking at this. Um, by going back and reading Green, uh, Green Lantern Rebirth, which was the reintroduction to Hal Jordan after him being long gone and being the Spectre for many years before coming back and becoming a Lantern again and kind of redeeming himself for everything. But it was a beautiful way to reintroduce the character, and it's kind of our hope that he's going to take and getting these creative teams along with him to do the same for the entirety of the brand. So I can definitely tell you well in advance, most of the stuff you're going to hear me recommend from now to when we actually get to talk about that at the end of May um, is going to be very rebirth centric. So I'll give you a fair warning on that now. So. All right. That's, Sounds good for me. I'm I'm actually thinking about like I've stopped collecting comics for a while too. I only get particular ones now rather than all the ones I were getting every week. I I might jump into Rebirth. Well, like, so. I think it's like I said again. Uh, you know, May 25th uh, that hits uh, comic stands. So, and uh, like I said, I'll definitely have a copy. So you can always check out my uh, my issue one, read it, check it out, see what you like. Uh, as I mentioned, everybody last week. There was the DC Previews magazine where you can get a little bit more insight into what they're doing with a lot of the creative teams, who's going to be doing what, and you get a little idea of where they're going to take some of these characters. So, yeah, I, I'm really excited. Um, and if you want any anything from the New 52, I have just about every issue. So just let me know. I'll just come over and spend the day there just reading comic books. Yeah, that's it's going to take you a lot longer <laughs> than a day, buddy. I'm pretty sure it will. So I hope you got room on your couch because I'm going to crash for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna need about a uh, week that's uh, like well, that's not... like four years of comics so all right well then you better stock the fridge then too <laughs> oh christ <laughs> uh plenty of beer and, and chips no uh so with that being said we'll get ready to wrap things up so let's throw out a couple cheap plugs and i guess um i'll go first i'll just knock it out real quick uh you can catch me on my other podcast the showcast right here on the next level network as well uh you can go to itunes or and i didn't mention this to you either rob um we are also now available not only on itunes this podcast and all the other podcasts uh we're also available on google play now as well awesome 
So uh, another place that you can download the podcast as well. But uh, the showcast is available there as well. Just search for the shoe cast. Show, the shoe not cast. the shoe cast. <laughs> the show cast. The shoe cast is completely different. Uh, the showcast on iTunes or Google uh, Play. Uh, check out the website for the podcast network as well, nextlevelradioonline.com. Follow us on Twitter at NXT Level Radio. And any recommendations for anything, you can email Rob and myself together at DC Primetime at nextlevelradioonline.com. Or you can email me, Ben, at nextlevelradioonline.com. And for me, you can always just head over to caffeinecrew.com. You can check out some of the articles that we've been working on. Um, we'll also be having a new episode of our podcast, uh, which is our monthly geek culture podcast that uh, Ben usually frequent, uh, frequently visits in on, and uh, that'll be coming up probably before the very end of this week. So usually it hits at the very end of the month. So uh, if not, usually like the first or second of the new month. So you'll always see them right around then. So we got some good uh, good stuff to talk about there, but you can always uh, check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Dust Caffeine Crew, or you can always e- reach out to us through email at thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com. And we always say every week, too, special thanks to George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. You can check out all of this stuff is and all of the tunes, and we thank him every week for our intro and outro. Uh, yeah, and of course, you can find the Next Level Podcast Network on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash online. I always forget to mention that when I'm doing the rest of my plugs. And always throw it in at the end. I feel, I feel like eventually you're going to start thinking I'm just trying to get the last word. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this issue of DC Primetime. Join us next week when we bring, uh, when we talk about, well, no Supergirl now. Supergirl's over for the season. But we will have the, uh, the Flash Arrow returning back from its hiatus. Uh, DC Prime, uh, Legends of Tomorrow. And we'll talk to Killing Joe as well a little bit. Uh, the comic book. In anticipation. I'm still working on Mark Hamill for the podcast, which is pretty cool. Good stuff. So, uh, but with that being said, we're going to get out of here. We will see you guys around the bend. Until next week, take care. Peace. <laughs>